Okay, Bo, what are you teaching me today? I don't even really know how to put this, and we almost didn't do this episode. Why? Well, this might offend some people. <laughs> That's exactly why we should do the episode. That's exactly why. This is Bo Barron, CCIM. And this is Timmy Barron, ADHD. He's going to teach me about commercial real estate. Stick around to the end because we are doing a pop quiz. Can you beat me? Bet you can't. This. Oh, I just went all ADHD on you. <laughs> and this is Commercially Speaking. Yes. So let me say a few things before we jump into this, because this episode is why a commercial real estate client should hire a commercial real estate agent and not their buddy who sells houses. Okay. So I, I really want to talk to the client here. This isn't really about residential agents at all. Whatever we're about to get into, if I'm your friend and you're doing a commercial deal, I'm a residential agent. Would I know as a res residential agent that I sh that I'm this is not my lane? Maybe not. Well, here's the thing. I don't sell houses. Our firm doesn't sell houses. I don't know how. Uh, our little brother Beamer mm -hmm. is selling his house here in town. He had a rental house here in town. I could have done that. I have the same license as a residential agent, and I chose not to. I referred it to a residential agent who's an expert in doing that kind of thing. And the reason is, is there's a whole body of knowledge that you need to know to do a great service for somebody in the, on the residential side of things. I don't, I don't know that stuff. Mm -hmm. And the same is true on the other side. On the commercial side of things, there's this vast body of knowledge that you really need to know or have a feel for if you're going to serve somebody well in a, in a commercial deal. You know, when a residential agent has an opportunity to do a commercial deal, I don't fault them for wanting to do it. Those can be lucrative deals. You know, they're trying to continue to build a relationship with probably somebody that they grew up with or they've already sold them a house or two. They've got a relationship already, and now they've got an opportunity to do something else, generate a fee. Like, I don't fault them for wanting to do that. Mm -hmm. The problem is they're wading into this space where they're lacking a lot of the information that you need to do a great job for somebody. Now, disclaimer, there are some people who mainly do residential, but have a long history of doing a couple commercial deals here and there, and they've done it for a long enough time. They've got the experience. We might call them a tweener or a resumercial, or they kind of do both, and a they tween. do well. <laughs> yeah. But this is in no Let's way, call them tweeners. Tweeners. Yeah. Okay. This is in no way meant to denigrate the character. This is tweener means something else. I don't know. Well, I think a tween, which is like, you know, you're you're almost a teenager, you know, like twelve year old. And then tweener sounds like wiener. <laughs> so it's like a twelve year old little wiener. <laughs> That's what it makes me think of. So I don't know if it does mean something different, but yeah. Okay, well, let's rewind just a little bit because I was about to make a very important point. Sure. That I want to stress here. We could call them Twinkies. Twinkies, we'll call them whatever you want, I guess. Well, Twink means something. Anyway, go ahead. All right, thank you. <laughs> I'm in no way meaning to denigrate the character of a residential agent who's trying to do a commercial. Sure, sure. Okay. Sure. What I'm trying to communicate here is for the client who's considering doing a commercial deal, if you're going to have your residential agent help you do it, there are some things you need to be aware of, okay? Because most of the time, if somebody is really good at selling houses and they haven't done lots of commercial deals, 
they're, they're just missing some information, just like it would be in the reverse. If I tried to sell our little brother's house, like I would have done him a disservice. There's just too much I don't know. For the rest of this episode, I want to share some horror stories of some things that can happen and kind of tie them to some missing pieces of that body of knowledge that some residential agents probably don't know. Right. And why would they? Right. And so this could help a residential agent. That's what I was thinking. Fill in the gap a little bit. Uh, and I'm also at the end, right before the pop quiz, I'm going to share with them a way to get paid to not do deals. So, yeah, I would say it is for residential agents because they might not know any of this. So this is good to know. And number two, if they do want to start doing a few commercial deals, there are some things that they might not know they don't know that they should know. But yeah. mainly this is for someone who's wanting to do a commercial deal. Look, I want to talk to the person here that owns a building, needs it sold, needs to buy something and give them enough information where they can make a good choice. I'm not suggesting even that it's us. But there's a lot of reasons why you would want somebody who specializes in commercial real estate to help you do a commercial deal. What are those? One is uh, zoning. When you think about the residential side, houses are built in neighborhoods and zoning is almost never an issue. It's almost always an issue with commercial real estate. You can't put anything anywhere. There are parts of town that you can do an industrial type deal. Anywhere else, they won't let you do it. It's not zoned correctly. So zoning is an issue. Another issue is just market knowledge. And here I'm talking about, you know, what are the rental rates that you should get? Now, I've got a horrifying story to tell about that here in a minute. Story time. Story time. Almost. Story time. Another thing kind of related to zoning is when there is a change of use. That's the term. It can trigger things that you may be surprised by. Okay. I've been surprised before, and most people haven't heard of the change of use stuff. And then there's also just lease language issues. You're buying a building to use it, an owner-user type deal. You're going to own the building and you're going to put your business in there or whatever. No, no real lease in place. But for everything else, there's a lease in place. And you got to negotiate that lease. And there's all kinds of crazy lease terms. We got to do an episode in the future just on crazy lease terms. Lease language is a big issue. Just negotiating the lease in, in the first place. Like cap rates? Well, cap rates... You know, as we talked about in episode three, that term's thrown around all the time. People mis misuse it, misunderstand it. A lot of a lease, people just never heard of this stuff before. Just not heard of. Yeah, it's just brand new information. And it reads like a legal document. Uh-huh. So it can put you right to sleep. Matter of fact, leases are great for curing insomnia. <laughs> great. Uh, we, we could put that episode on a Calm, the app Calm. Calm? Mm-hmm. Does that help you sleep? Yeah. It's like one of those apps where they give you soundscapes or have Nick Offerman read you a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get somebody. Is Nick Offerman just sort of like the deep voice? Nick Offerman is uh, is uh, the one who who's... Uh, uh, what? No, I was thinking about the guy who's the voice of Dateline. What's that guy's name? Um, you know what I'm talking about? Silver-haired dude with the... Yeah. Did he do like Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You get him to read a lease, I'd be out like a light. Oh, this is Alice. If you're here, will you look up the name of the... This is a great thing for Alice to... Yeah, to that's to. right. Alice, will you look up the name of the host of Unsolved Mysteries? Unsolved Mystery. Yeah, that's not the guy I'm thinking of, though. Yeah. The, the host of Dateline? Yeah, the voice of Dateline. This is Unsolved Mysteries. Yep. Anyway, a little ADHD detour there. No problem. I did an Unsolved Mysteries sketch, and so I got that voice down at that point. I forget his name. Yeah. 
Robert Stack. Hey, we got it. Alice just did that for us, right? Thank you, Alice. Alice, that's bad. Alice, ah. They have a producer. Alice, you're a producer now. Put that on the CV. So you want uh, you want to hear some horror stories? Yes. This one has to do with not just not understanding how to negotiate a deal, not understanding market value, market rates. So here's this scenario. This doctor built himself a building, put his office in there, and he's got some extra space. He's going it alone. Didn't get a residential agent, didn't get a commercial real estate professional. He doesn't want to pay a fee. He can do it himself. Mm -hmm. Doctors are smart. Uh, They can figure this out. It's probably what he was thinking. And so he found somebody that was interested. It was kind of a regional type of medical facility. As the story goes, they've got probably 35 locations. Big outfit. They've done lots of leases. They've got an in-house broker up against a doctor who owns the property, who's great and very specialized in what he does, but it's not real estate. Wait, you're saying he's really great at being a doctor? He's really great at being a doctor, but he's getting into some space on the real estate side that he's just got little experience. And this group with a ton of experience and their in-house broker completely took advantage of it. So here's how it went down. They negotiated a five-year lease. I heard rent was in the high teens, so maybe $18, $19 a square foot. Market rate for brand new medical space, probably around $25 a foot. Okay, so right off the bat, the rent's way low. Then they negotiate that they would take the space into a white box condition. Okay, so imagine the space is built, but the inside isn't finished out. And so normally what happens is the landlord will take unfinished space. So the building exists, but the space is unfinished. You know, you, you, you don't have drywall up. You don't have the lights up. It was in that kind of condition. And then the tenant will come in. Mm-hmm. They'll finish it out. They'll put the walls up, the rooms, the bathrooms. They'll do all that stuff. That's the expensive part is the, not putting it in a white box or vanilla box condition. The expensive part is building it out, especially if it's a medical clinic. I mean, lots of exam rooms, lots of walls, Yeah, special, plum- you know, a lot of those have a sink in every room. So there's lots of plumbing, all that stuff. So what happened was this regional medical facility or whoever it was, talked this doctor and they'll do the vanilla box and he'll do their build out. I've never heard of that ever. Like what he had to pay to build out the space was like seven, $800,000. Wow. He's going to lose money on the lease. Like, they won't pay that much in rent over five years. Well, so the doctor paid for that. Yeah. When the person coming in typically is the one that pays for the the build-out. Well, no, it's normally negotiated. Yeah. But what would normally happen is, and we've done this many times, like we put a Strive, they're like a kidney, kind of like a dialysis place, like DaVita Dialysis or something like that. We put them in to a property that, that we represent. They wanted the owner to build out the space for them. And he offered to essentially do it and they would pay him back spread out over the term of the lease. Okay. So he gets that money back. So it's like extra rent every payment. This doctor could have gotten a deal like that for sure. And so that $800,000, he would have got back over those five years. Oh my God. And you said he has an in-house broker that did this? The other side did. The other side did. And they took advantage of the doctor who was just doing it by himself because he didn't want to pay fees. He just didn't, he didn't know. I would imagine if you're doing it on your own, it's because you don't want to pay uh, somebody else. Yeah, generally you think you can do it. Right. right. Like Dad's got a really good friend who won't pay fees. Yeah. Which is surprising to me because, you know. Is it, yeah, because he, he knows Dad. Yeah. 
but he won't he won't do it. He's gonna do it himself. Yeah. Well, I guess if he does, he have any of the know how? Well, he's a smart guy. Yeah. Also a doctor. Seems like there might be a trend with well, I don't know doctors. Two makes a trend, but the two the two we're talking about they're both doctors. Now, if they renew and they stay for ten years, you know he'll break even and start making money. But his return on investment for that is terrible. How do you know about this? Um, Are you friends with this person? No, there was. <laughs> I can't. Well, look, you can't say your sources. You know, people. <laughs> you live here your whole life. Yeah, been in this industry for twenty years, and man, you just you hear the stories. But yeah, I'm gonna protect my sources. Sure, sure. <laughs> I was just curious. I didn't know if like the doctor came to you. Oh no, 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 no. Now this particular doctor, you know, years ago he met with us, and uh, kind of picked our brain about what's possible. This happens to us from time to time. Somebody will sit down with us and be like, hey, we're thinking about doing something with our property here. What do you think? What do you think we could do? Well, we're going to try to impress them with our market knowledge and our expertise and try to win that business. Right. Now, what some people do is they'll take that information and go try to do it on their own. Yeah. They're, they're takers. Yeah. That That's that's part of doing business. Sure. That, that happens to us, you know, a couple times a year. The alternative would be, what, no, I'm not going to share with you any of my ideas. Right. Like, that right. doesn't... Right. This doctor might have met with us twice over a period of years under the guise of thinking about hiring you, and then he did it on his own. And so anyway, when you go it alone, you're stepping into space full of peril just because you don't even know what you don't know. Right. Okay. Story number two. So it's a commercial space downtown listed by a residential agent. We've got a client who wants to see it. And so guy in my office, Todd Humphreys, takes his client down to see the space. The listing agent, who's a residential guy, sends his assistant down to meet my guy, Todd. They're looking through the space. The issue is this idea of changing the use of the space. Because I've made this mistake before. We put a donut shop in the space that used to be an office. We did the lease. Everything's a done deal. And found out that because we were changing the use of the space from office to assembly, it triggered updates to the building code. And because this is a multi-story building, there was going to have to be some fire suppression work done to it, $100,000. It wasn't an issue with the zoning. It was because we changed the use of the property. All of a sudden, we got surprised, and it got to the point where the tenant we put in there couldn't use the space as they intended and so they had to buy out of the lease. Wow. It was a bad deal. Yeah. Now, luckily, that, that uh, store found another location that's working great for them, and they're killing it. But they went, okay, so they went in with the residential. No, no, no. This is a deal we did yeah. years ago. Got And this change of use thing surprised us. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of it before then. And uh, so fast forward to a couple weeks ago. Todd is in a space with his client. They will be changing the use. It'll be going from like office to a salon kind of space. Yeah. And he's telling her, look, this is going to change the use. It'll trigger some building code type things. The residential agent's assistant's like, no, 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 it's owned correctly. You're good. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Totally didn't know what they didn't know and was trying to blow smoke about it. Yeah. Ooh. Todd's like, no, this is not going to work unless... You can get the landlord to do the updates or you're prepared to spend a lot of money. And that's, you know, that's a scary thing. You hire somebody to do something for you and they think they have a lot of confidence in their ability. They don't know what they don't know. 
that could have really, really hurt our client. Is it possible that that uh, assi- real estate assistant already looked into that? The response just didn't even, you know, we were talking change of use. They were talking like zoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, gotcha. Yeah, it's a whole different, right. You know. Now, it's key to mention at this point that I'm talking about Owensboro, Kentucky. It's going to be different in Chicago. It's going to be different in Houston. I don't know why I thought brought up Houston. Houston doesn't really have zoning. Oh. It's one of the only cities that doesn't really have zoning. It's oh, kind of, wow. It's a crazy place. But also, it's per city. Like, it's not even like state. Ju- and that's my point. It's local. But when we start talking about building codes, the state decides what the building codes are, and then the local planning and zonings or whatever they're called in whatever city you're talking about, it's their responsibility to administer those building codes. So sometimes people will go in and try to do something, and they get really mad at planning and zoning because the building codes say, you know, you have to do this. Yeah. And it makes no sense. I'll give you an example. Okay. I built a climate-controlled self-storage building here a couple years ago. They made me insulate it like it was an office building. That makes no sense. Uh But that's the building code. And planning and zoning are local folks that administer the building code. They have no say. It's handed to them. They have to administer it. Yeah. A lot of people get mad at at our local folks, and it's it's not a— Is it? Yeah. They have nothing to do with it. Right. They're just the messenger. Yeah. Planning and zoning is on a, a city level. It is here. But zoning, it's generally on the local level. Like the cities get to decide themselves what their zoning is going to be. And then, um, yeah, building code, that's just per state. Yeah, I see what you're doing here. What? You're preparing for the pop quiz. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Going back to the other with the doctor, right, wanted to, to negotiate, do this thing on his own. Didn't know what he didn't know, so he got the bad end of the stick because he didn't have a real estate agent or a broker. Broker and agent are two different things. Every company needs a broker, and they're responsible for the agents. Okay. So if you see an office of 30 people, there's going to be at least one broker. And if you see one of these 30 agents go get their broker's license, you're like, uh, I bet they're about to split off. Yeah. Start their own thing. A lot of times that's kind of how it goes down. Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. We just call everybody a broker, but that's not technically true. I, I remember talking that in the very first one. That was, the, I think, the first, I, I thought, dumb question I had was, what's a what's a broker? <laughs> what's a broker? I don't know. I know dad's a broker, but anyway, so what I wanted to bounce off you is, as an actor, I have an agent. I'm with my second agency now. They're kind of a gatekeeper between myself and the casting directors that don't do open calls, right? You kind of need an agent to get into those rooms. Being who I am, um, I don't I don't like that there's that I need somebody else to get into that room. I'd like to garner that relationship and have them just reach out to me, right? Not saying I don't like my agent. No, I hear you. You would rather have agency over your own future outcomes. Yes. So you're not a socialist. Y- yes. Right. <laughs> Great. Okay. Good to know. All right. Yes. Yeah. To a yes. I'm not a socialist. Yeah, what I just wanted to bounce off you was just doesn't seem like there's a way to do this without an agent. The only person I know that is in that position is Bill Murray. Like, he's got a voicemail set up that people can call, and he can check it, and whatever, right? But that probably wasn't true his entire career. Yeah, I just, I, I've garnered a lot of, there's several auditions that I've gotten without my, my previous agent, 
because of going to casting director workshops or them seeing my content that I've been putting out. Just being proactive. Yeah. I'm always thinking about, I don't like what's going on behind closed doors that I have, like the agent doesn't talk to us much about what happened. It's just like, here's the deal. Here's the offer. You know, it's not like I'm telling the the agent all this or whatever, but that's just, anyway. You did just put it on the podcast though. I did. I don't think it's secret either. So why'd you switch agencies? He would call be really excited and return my calls if it revolved around money. But if I'm like, hey, I, I just met with Jen Houston. You know, I'm going to do my solo show in New York in a couple of weeks. There's Jessica Daniels and uh, Jen Houston, two casting directors. Can you reach out to them and, and, you know, invite them to come to the show? Can we set something up like this? And I'd hear nothing. So here I am not reaching out myself because I think it's better to go through your agent so it just got to a point where I was like, like, I, I just, I just did not have a good gut feeling that yep. this guy was on the phone fighting for me for certain roles. Um, yeah, I had some heated conversations with him. And so the second guy, I'm assuming guy, guy. Well, the first one was a guy, the, this, the, they're women, my agents right now are women. And so you're happy with them? I'm happy with them, yeah. And by comparison, they probably look pretty great. They look pretty good. We had this happen to us this week where we went for a listing against uh, one of our competitors in town. And in this case, they went with the, the other folks. That listing ran out. They weren't happy. They switched over to us. A lot of times I like being the second one in. Sometimes when we get beat, it's because our competitors think that the property might be worth more. Or in this case, they charged, they discounted their fee, which we won't do. In fact, we're, we're the most expensive Yeah, on purpose. Yeah, And I, I think our results back that up but we're not the discount brokerage. So in this case, they went with the cheaper option, didn't work out, now they're back with us. And by comparison, we have the opportunity to potentially look even better than if they started with us. You know, that'll come online next week and uh, we'll get to lease that space up. And it's in shell condition where we'll negotiate the white box and we'll make sure that whatever tenant goes in there is in either paying for their own build out or our client will get that money back over the life of the lease. You said white box. You've also said vanilla box. That's the same thing, right? Anytime you hear that from anybody like me, you need to get them to define what they mean. I've seen that term go into a lease, and then when it starts to get built out, there was totally different viewpoints on what that term meant. Ah. Uh, so, like, you really want to spell that stuff out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Yeah, because when I think of white box, I'm like, okay, the walls are up, everything's painted white, we just move in. Well, the walls being the outside walls of the box. Right, right, right. You want anything inside that, you know, that's not white, vanilla, whatever. Anyway, define the terms. Yeah. Big deal. Because I can see a white, like white box and shell, but could people could think that was the same thing. It's not when I say it, at least. It might be when somebody else says, commercial real estate's terrible like that. People use the same terms. They mean different stuff that you really have to make sure that everybody's on the same. Well, that's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm here. <laughs> so let me tell you another story. Okay. We had a, um, had a local church. They were leasing the space that they were in. They wanted to buy land and build. They were experiencing growth. And they flirted around with us for a little bit. And then they ended up using one of the agents in their congregation, which makes a ton of sense. Okay. But this person was a residential agent. And he helped them buy 10 acres in a great location. Everything looked really good until they went to try to build something. And they found out 
that the master plan, right? Master plan is a term used for like, for how a city will get developed out. And it might get updated five, every five, seven, 10 years. Oh, gotcha. Who, know, who knows how often. But the master plan said that a road's going to go through those 10 acres. And whoever developed the property, the city will say, yeah, you can develop that there. You just got to put our road through. They'll make the developer build the road. Oh. That size road could easily be a million dollars. Oh, wow. So not only would it be expensive to do the road. Sorry to cut you off. They wouldn't. They wouldn't pay the whoever the, the they wouldn't pay the church for the land to build the road because it was already in the master plan. They should have looked it up if they were there, and then they decided in the master plan we're gonna do this here, but we gotta pay you know whoever owns that property for that property. Yeah. So if the church already owned the land and the city decided that they wanted a road to go through there, they would have to. I just lost the term. Compensate. Eminent domain. Oh. They could condemn the land essentially, take it compensate the church, and build their road. People have no say in it, really. But they're fairly compensated based on market rates. And there's generally arguments and appraisals and sometimes lawsuits over the value of what they should be compensated. But the city or the state or whatever has already taken the land. Land's gone. You're just fighting over how much after. That's eminent domain. Yeah. In this case, though, this wasn't that. This was, there's going to be a road there when this gets developed. It was already in the pipeline. It was, it was a lot like the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. Right. But in this case, it's called a master, master plan, plan, and they should have gone and looked at the master plan. Yeah. And they would have known going in. That information was sitting right down there, downtown. And the residential agent, through no fault of his own, really, just didn't know to go look. Yeah. And they bought something they couldn't use. Because not only was it expensive to put the road in, but it divided the property in half. Oh. And so, like, you know, half the church over here and half the church over there. <laughs> right. Where you got to cross the road to get to big church. And whoever buys it, they either need to find somebody in the same situation where they don't disclose, hey, you're going to have to put a road through, which would be really bad form. Especially for the church. It'd be very unchristlike. And yeah. Sometimes you're in a pickle. They overpaid for something that they end up can't use, and it's not that sellable either. Yeah, because of that, right? Because of the master plan. Not because of the master plan, because they didn't pay attention to the master plan. Right, right. But it's going to be harder to sell because of the... Yeah. They are now stuck with something that they know about the master plan. Yep. Yeah. And it's just really ironic that it's a church. <laughs> it's the master plan. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> it's like God's in control. Uh, well, now when you got a real estate agent <laughs> uh, getting in the way, not to knock on real estate agents. But. Yeah, we can talk about sovereignty in another uh, yeah. another. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. the master plan. Uh, yeah, that's what. That's just that's really funny. Hey, there's one other. Um, there's one other deal that happened. This one I want to bring up just because it's an interesting deal. Uh, it happened out of town, so this is in a, in another town. We had a seller and a buyer. I don't think any real estate agents were involved at all. Uh, these folks here locally were going to buy a piece of property in in uh, another town, and it was next to a Home Depot. I think it's Home Depot. It's a big box store like that. Big box, by the way, is a real estate term that talks about the big box stores. Like Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby, Menards, Lowe's, Walmart, Target, Best Buy. Those are just, they're big stinking boxes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big box store. A lot of these big box stores do not want gems next to them. Why? Can I guess? I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. Why would a, a big box store not want a gem next to them? It stinks. Nope. No. Now, 
Do you normally see big box stores next to other big box stores? No. I mean, they're typically on their own. Like when I think of Walmart, Sam's Club, Hobby Lobby's in a strip, but... I, they are standalone buildings, but like they're next to other... Oh, God. Just retailers want to be where people are coming anyway. Right, right. They want the people around them to also attract people so that they can make more sales. So why would a retailer not want a gym next to them? Well, because people are going to work out, they shower, they leave. They're not going to shop. Is that why? That Well, that's actually pretty insightful. That's not the answer I was fishing for, but that could that could be a layer. Yeah. Gyms really jack up parking, and they don't buy much, right? Yeah. Like you said, like they'll come, they'll sweat, they'll go home, but they fill up the parking lots. Yeah. And so a lot of retailers don't want to be by gyms. Yeah. So in this particular case, what I thought was really interesting is the gym is next to, I think it's a Home Depot. And my friends put this under contract. When they did the title search, they found a deed restriction that evidently Home Depot owned that property and they sold it off to be developed. There's a deed restriction against gyms and it's been a gym for 15 years. My friends are buying it and are going to continue the gym. And it's like, do we just act like we didn't see that? Right. Has Home Depot essentially consented Right. To waiving that deed restriction because they've allowed it for 15 years. Right, right. So then. So my buddy calls me and he's like, what do we do here? I was like, call an attorney. I've never heard of that before. I mean, I've heard of deed restrictions, but I've never heard of. Home Depot not saying anything. Like uh, allowing it by ignoring it. Right. Essentially. Right. So deed restrictions, you generally don't have to deal with that when you're doing residential real estate. And on the commercial side. Not just zoning, not just change of use, not just dealing with leases and negotiating things where you just don't know, know what normal is, let alone know what the market rents are. You also could have deed restrictions or faulty titles or it's just this big box of information that if you're a residential realtor, there's no reason for you to know this stuff. Right. Because look, I've got the same license as a residential agent. They've got the same license as me. There's nothing that says they can't do it. It's just not a good idea. There's landmines that you can step in that can really hurt your client. Yeah. So here's my offer to any residential agent who cares enough about their clients to refer them, whether it's us or anybody else who specializes in commercial real estate, refer those people. Just like I did with our little brother's house. Yeah. I could have sold it myself. I've got the same license as a residential agent. It's just not a good idea for Beamer. Yeah. Like I wouldn't serve him well. Because you can miss something that you didn't know you're... Yeah, they got to do all these disclosures and all this stuff. Like, we don't have to do that on the commercial side. Like, plus, it's boring. <laughs> it is to me. Yeah. You know, some people love this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is so boring to me. It really is. But it's not my thing. But I would have done Beamer a disservice. So I referred that business, and I'm going to get a referral fee for saying no to the opportunity. And I don't know any commercial agent here in town that wouldn't accept a referral fee from a residential agent. I'm working two of these right now where residential agents said, look, I'm working with this person. I'm out of my depth here. Uh, would you be willing to pay a referral fee and help them accomplish what they're trying to accomplish? I'm happy. I'm sure every commercial agent here in town is happy to take that kind of referral and pay the residential agent a referral fee to not do the deal. And so everybody wins. The client is served best, and that's the most important thing. And they rightly should be compensated for that. Right. That's what I would suggest is the path forward. And it's exactly what we do. 
in the reverse. You know, we don't sell houses. We refer them to people who are great at selling houses. Yeah. Because we care about the client. Right. That's right. not what we do. Yeah. Is it a, it seems like if I'm a commercial, not a commercial, sorry, a residential agent, it seems like if I got the opportunity for a commercial deal, that would be a bit of a pay bump. Yeah. Generally, commercial deals are going to be bigger. And so, yeah, it would be enticing. Just kind of calculating the commission in your head. Just do great work. Yeah. And I'm happy to pay for great work. A full fee for great work. It's so worth it. Do you know what I was thinking? Because I've had this on my mind since our first episode where you're talking about self-storage, right? You're talking about on paper, just didn't really work out. But it looks like the demand is going to be there, blah, blah, blah. Since dad has experience developing self-storage, you know, we call dad over for 30 minutes. Let's, let's see if we can get you the balls to, to, to develop some self-storage in Elizabethtown. But you might not, you know, you might not be interested in it enough to want to do that. But oh no, no, that's not a bad idea. Uh, and it's it'd be my opportunity to really, really grill him. Be sure to ask him a bunch of EBA and EBM and PER questions. Oh, yeah, is that not his? Yeah, he learned it. Yeah, but is it because he's so dediverse? It's acronyms on things he learned probably thirty years ago. Oh, gotcha. Except he's listened to the episode, so yeah. Well, yeah, brought it back. I mean, how many times? You ready for the pop quiz? Commercially speaking, quickie quiz. Can you beat me? I bet you can't. All right. Question one. What's the difference between shell space and a vanilla or white box? Sure. uh, Shell space, basically, um, you, it's the, you've got like the concrete slab, you, there's no walls. It's ready. There's a gravel floor, gravel ground. Uh, there's no plumbing in it. There's. It's just. It's ready to be built in a way that somebody wants to to build it. A uh, white box or a vanilla box. You've got the walls all around it. Just a blank canvas that's ready to be built inside. Yes. Correct answer. Nicely done. Yeah. Wolf of one, wolf of one. All right, we talked a little bit about change of use. Uh-huh. Explain to me what change of use is and what it can trigger. Sure. So if um, somebody owns a business in this building, so for example, I'm using it for uh, retail, and I, I'm moving out, I'm moving somewhere else. Someone else is coming in, they're, they're going to be making food. That'd be change of use. What can it trigger? So what that can trigger is, is zoning issues. What is that? Uh, uh, the building code issues. It can trigger necessary updates in the building code when you change the use. Yeah. Now, here is question number three. Who controls the building codes? The city. We want more specific than that? Uh, no, that's just plain wrong. The building code? The building codes are controlled by the states. Oh, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. I meant state. I meant to say state. You just said the opposite. Yeah. I thought of the shape of Kentucky. Oh, you did. And then you said city. And I said city. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That probably says something about you, but I don't know what it is. I think in pictures. <laughs> and the words don't always match. Yeah, they don't always match. Okay. Next question. 
Well, just just for those watching right now, sorry. Uh, two and three, technically, I got wrong. I didn't say the right thing on either. I think that's correct. I do identify as uh, correct. That's very liberal of me to say, isn't it? <laughs> In my heart, I'm right. <laughs> hey, I'm just excited I got you to say out loud I'm not a socialist. Yeah. And it's on the record. Yeah, I mean, there's nuance to it, but... Yeah. <laughs> okay, what is a master plan? Master plan. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is not an incorrect answer. Yeah. However, in context... I know the master plan. Yeah. The... the. Now this, I'm... I'm assuming it's this this city. This city, yeah. You are correct. Yeah, the city's got plans. They's, they've got some plans. So they might have some things down the pipeline uh, of the, the development of the city. Hey, look, if we look out five, seven years, whatever it is... This is this is how we want to grow. We're going to make those decisions, and then we're going to, you know, tactically make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis that move us towards it. That's what a master plan is. Okay, good. Check. Nicely done. Bam. All right, two two out of four. All right, and uh, here's a gimme. Uh, you should get this. But uh, I'm. What's the only town? Only city. Houston. That doesn't have zoning. That's Houston. It is Houston. Now, I don't actually... I've heard people in Texas tell me that Houston's the only one. I have not researched. I have not fact-checked that. Uh, Alice, can you Google what cities don't have zoning? Is that what it would be? Oh, yeah. Would that be the Google? My guess is it's the only substantially-sized city. Oh, yeah, yeah. That doesn't have zoning. That would make sense. Because surely there's... Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> All right, had to get a dad joke in there. All Let right. me do the comedy, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, oh, three out of five. Nice job. Passing score. Yeah, three. That's right. Passing score. Even though I identify as making 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Love you, brother. Love you. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, notification bell, leave us a comment of any questions, thoughts, and of course, you can find us on all these social media channels, commercially speaking. If you want more and access to bonus content or a place that shows you everywhere we are on the internet, just hit the first link in the show notes. But above everything else, thank you. Please do all the things that podcasts ask you to do. Is that it? Were we doing a follow-up yep, today? Only Houston, she said. Oh, it's yeah, only it's Houston. Only Houston. Alice, this is great. Yeah, I love great. having you be able to answer our questions. I love it too. Alice, you're a producer now. Hey, hey.